Ready to go, champ. to episode number two of Blind Spotting, and uh, that audio tells us all we needed to hear. That was Chase Elliott and his spotter, Eddie DeHunt, as the race at Phoenix wound down, and Elliott won the title. We're back in the Cottle Creek Compound this week, and following up championship weekend, we're going to be talking about a variety of issues and all of the the big goings on over the weekend. We are coming to you live right here on off of Highway 3, the Dale Earnhardt Trail, running from Mooresville to Kannapolis. Again, broadcasting from the Cottle Creek Compound, I'm Michael Colbert, joined by Andrew Coates. Say hello to everyone, Andrew. Hey, everybody. And Travis Sherrill. Come on down. Say hello to everybody, Travis. Hi, everybody. Hello, 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 yes, sir. We have an audience this week. They're over in the corner. They sound sounds a lot like me, but we do have a live audience. Pay no attention to the man in the corner. All right, first up, let's talk about Phoenix. It looked hot on TV. It looked very hot, very sweaty, and uh, indeed, it was hot on the track. A lot, a lot of going on, a lot of action. And we'll start with the truck race that uh, happened on Friday night and. The championship final four, Creed, Infinger, Moffitt, and Smith. Creed comes in on top. My pick, by the way, as uh, we went through our picks last week. And, uh, you know, was was he deserving of that? I mean, he definitely earned it right there at the end. I mean, what a move he put on the inside. And uh, that allowed him to uh, really take the title in his grasp and wrestle it away from the other contenders. What's your reaction to the race, uh, Andrew? Let's start with you. <clears throat> well, I think you have to feel a little bit sorry for Brett Moffitt, right? As two laps from a championship, and we end up with a green-white checker. And you know the way the race had played out, it was a short race, and um, I don't think that that everybody had a chance to understand um, the impact of tires. And I think if you had said to me that the guy who started first on the restart in two laps was going to be in the teens as a finish, I don't think we saw that tires were going to matter that much on a, on a restart. Um, I really think that if, if you look back through the day, he was really the, the strongest one for sure. Um, Creed really wasn't a, a contender. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum. If it wasn't for a dive bomb coming out of the on the green flag and passing about four cars going into turn one, I, I don't see him winning the race, and, and that's what new tires do for you. What do you think, Travis? I agree with everything you said, Andrew. One thing I'll mention, and I'll get you guys' opinion on this, that race left me desiring more. And here's why I say that. It has nothing to do with who won the race. It has nothing to do with the contenders in the race, it has to do with the fact that your championship race ends up being your shortest race of the year in terms of mileage. 150 miles, 150 laps, and most of the truck races are, you know, 200, 250 miles, uh, you know, at a short track, there it's converted to laps. But, uh, you know, just a short race and, 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 and left me wanting more. Um, and, more of what exactly? Well, uh, action, uh, more race just, length, more, more, more heat in the desert. More of what exactly? Just more, more racing. I mean, you know, I felt like I just barely got settled in, mm -hmm. and the race was right. over. And you know, I get it. We're in a society that, um, you know, that desires quickness, that desires immediacy. It was a good ride while it lasted. Come on, kids. Let's go home. We are home. That was fast. And honestly, I got to say, I felt the same about the cup race on Sunday. You know, it was a race that ran in under three hours. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, that television is trying to get in that perfect two to three hour window. Um, but I, I just felt like that uh, I, I wanted more. And, and I'll say this before we, before we move on. Um, 
Andrew mentioned that he feels for Brett Moffat. Two points on Brett. One is that he doesn't have a, a full-time ride next year. The only thing he has lined up at this point, and yes, the offseason is early, uh, the only thing he has lined up is a four-race deal with Our Motorsports, who he ran for uh, about half the season this year uh, with sponsorship from Freight Auctions. And so it'll be interesting to see where he lands, if he ends up running full-time with that team or if he ends up uh, somewhere else uh, by the time we get to Daytona. The second thing I'll mention, he was pretty upset after the race, and, and, and rightfully so, you know, the caution comes out with three to go. Do you pit? Do you not? And he ends up losing the championship. Uh, but, you know, he's lucky to have even been in contention for the championship. If you'll recall, back during COVID shutdown, Brett broke both femurs uh, in a biking accident. And had the NASCAR season gone off as scheduled, he likely would not have been in a position to compete for a championship. Now, he may have gotten a waiver, uh, but he would have missed a number of races and who knows how the season would have wound up for him. I think it's a good point about Moffitt, Travis, because here's a guy who's three laps away from being a two-time truck champion who doesn't, you know, going into Phoenix and has a four-race schedule for next year. If you look at what he did in that O2 car in the Xfinity Series, um, you know, he wasn't threatening to win every week, but especially towards the end of the season when they'd had some time to gel and get used to each other and, and that sort of thing... <clears throat> They were running back of the top 10 pretty much every week. And, and for a small team that's underfunded compared to your Penske's and Gibbs, I think that's that's pretty pretty remarkable. So I, I really have a hard time understanding why he doesn't have, have a full-time ride for next year, at least in the truck series. I mean, if I was a truck owner and I had a seat open, I mean, that guy's going to win a few races for you and probably be in Phoenix again next year for the title. Yeah, I mean, what's the alternative? What's the alternative to Brett Moffitt? You know, he's, he's a good, good driver. I mean, the guy was just dejected. You could just read all over his face. It was, I mean, I can't imagine coming that close. And, and we really thought we were going to see him in the cup race because they kept us like, you're going to jinx it, you're going to jinx it. And, uh, yeah, I was I'm a little you know, a little bit of a Chase fan, and I uh, was hoping he would win it. They kept saying, oh, there's going to be a caution. You know, this, is gonna, this is not the way it's going to end. We're going to bunch them all back up. And, and sure enough, that's what happened there at the end for Moffitt. And going back to your point, Travis, wanting more, and what I've noticed recently or this year in the past few weeks, we just haven't seen a lot of cautions. Is that because the drivers are such good drivers and they drive the race so cleanly? Is it the tracks that they're running that don't lend themselves to a lot of cautions? Go, you know, for example, the Roval, there were some cars turning around, but no one around. They weren't in danger of impacting the race or, or anyone running into them. So it was just kind of a, it's one of those things, the races do go by quickly. But not a lot of cautions like there used to be. You'd have races 10, 11, 12 cautions, and you're just not seeing that much anymore. This wasn't a topic that we were going to get into, but it just made me think of, is is the driving better? Are the tracks easier to navigate? What is it that's leading to fewer cautions? Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, well, let me, let me address the first point. I, I think the shorter race I'm okay with, with the exception that none of those truck stages required a fuel stop. Now, I know a few years ago in the truck series, they did all of their pitting under caution, and et cetera, et cetera. But to me, if you really want, really want some excitement, some strategy, you can't have all the pitting happen under caution. You know, the Xfinity and Cup races both had stages long enough to require green flag pit stop. In terms of the cautions, and, and, and I don't have any hard data to back this no, up. No, and I should have had it, but like I said, it wasn't something but, we were going to get into. But my guess, one of the big reasons, especially on your... Uh, you know, your short tracks where there's a lot of contact and your super speedways where there's the big one is the caution clock. I think you've got a lot mm -hmm. less cars running around out under on the green on the track throwing debris all over the racetrack. Yeah, good track. point. Yeah. Right. And and so I think that's a big deal. I also think that um, the stages, um, if you have a stage where you know you have to make a fuel stop, if you look in the last few races, especially like on the cup side, they're splitting that in half. And if you split it in half, what does that mean? Well, everybody's not going to be running to the edge of the tire and blowing right fronts or something like that or spinning out with a, lo a low right rear tire or something. So it could be a couple of those things that can combined. Right. I, mean, I mean, Travis, what else do you think? You, you stole the, the one thing that I was going to mention, that, and that is 
the damaged vehicle policy. You know, back before the damaged vehicle policy was implemented a couple of years ago, you were guaranteed two to three debris cautions a race. I mean, it just, it, you know, it happened. You had cars that had half fenders on them and parts were falling off of them and, you know, but we don't see that anymore because, like you said, guys have six minutes to get on pit road as many times as they can, get off pit road and fix their car uh, up until it meets minimum speed, at which point they can work on the car as much as they need to uh, to get it improved. I think that is the biggest thing. And the other thing, we need to give the drivers some credit. You know, these are the best drivers in the world. And, I, you know, I, I think that is, that's a lot of it. You know, these guys are the best drivers in the world. And the the cars and the parts are bulletproof. Mm -hmm. You know, things don't break like they used to anymore. That's a great point. I mean, if you remember, you know, Michael and I grew up in the late, it started watching the mid-80s. And it was pretty much a guarantee that you'd have three or four motors <laughs> let go before the end of the race. I mean, that's just mm -hmm. what happened. And if it was mm -hmm. Daytona or Talladega, it was going to be more than that. Uh, and now, who was it... Uh, I can't remember who it was a few weeks ago who said, yeah, that's the first motor we've had let go in two years. And and it and it's like, wow, uh, that that's a you just don't see it anymore. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Kurt Bush. It might have been, that. yeah, from, from Earnhardt Ganassi. And yep. and now a lot of the engine failures that you do see are because they've whacked the nose in and they've lost the pumped the coolant out of it yep. and it overheats and explodes. So you're right, the parts are just bulletproof. I also think in the Xfinity series, those composite bodies make a big difference. So you've got a lot of guys who maybe don't have quite as much talent and experience, but when they boink it off the fence, those composite bodies can take it. You don't put something down on the tire and, and end up with a, with a debris caution mm -hmm. or a wreck. Well, in Kurt Busch's case, uh, maybe they got the coolant and the monster energy drink mixed up, and you put the monster energy drink in the in the radiator, it's going to go haywire. It's going to get a little bonkers. So that's it. That's right. Monster energy drink. Wink, wink. All right. Sponsor of Kurt Busch and of NASCAR. You're welcome, Monster Energy. And next, let's talk about Xfinity. The Xfinity race. The championship for the Final Four contenders. Allgaier, Briscoe, Sendrick, and, and Haley. The win goes to Sendrick there at the end. I was really impressed with the way he finished the race. And I'll be honest with you, I am a Matt DiBenedetto fan. I, I, I'm a Matty D guy, uh, and I'm glad that he got a year extension. But I tell you, uh, watching Austin Sendrick drive that race and come through and, and have the kind of season, I really had not... Uh, seen a lot of his performance up until watching that race and I tell you that I understand now why it was such a hard decision for the Wood Brothers uh, to not put him in that car this year and give him another year in the Xfinity Series not, not taking nothing away from Matt DiBenedetto but I tell you that that Cindric he looks like the real deal I was really impressed with the way that he drove young guy young guy and uh, interviewed really well at the end I just you know hey I like I like the guy. I, I may be a Cindric fan going forward. He impressed me a lot uh, at the race. Uh, what are your thoughts after the Xfinity race? Another good finish to that one. A lot to talk about. Uh, Travis, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, none of us picked Cindric to win the race or the championship, but if you look, he won six of the final twenty races of the season. So he was definitely deserving to be there, and. You know, I mean, he's in a Penske car. The Penske cars run well no matter what series they're in. Uh, so I was not surprised. He deserved to win. He had the best car on short runs and long runs. Uh, I thought that when he came down pit road uh, with, you know, at, at the late caution, I actually thought that Algar was going to be able to hold, hold him off. Um, but... Cindric prevailed. You know, I thought when Algar pitted, I think it was with about mm -hmm. 35 to go, I said, well, Algar's going to win this race because his, his, his fresh tires are going to go mm -hmm. straight to the front mm -hmm. and he's going to dominate. And, he, and it didn't happen. Uh, it, that just showed you how good Cindric's car was. Andrew? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was pretty clear pretty much all day that the 11 and the 98 just, they didn't have it. Uh, it was really a race between the 7 and the 22, as you noted. <clears throat> I was surprised the 7 didn't come get tires at the very end. 
um, because I think that that ended up costing me. He didn't fall back as far. But I, to talk about Cindric, I think it's interesting. They mentioned this on the broadcast, so I can't take credit for this being a completely original thought. But here's a kid who grew up essentially as a road racer. Um, you know, he was in IMSA. He 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 grew up basically driving road courses, and um, until this year, had really never had success on the ovals. And so I think one reason that people were a little bit surprised, yeah, we saw Briscoe have a bit of a coming out party at the end of last year. I don't think people expected him to win as many races as he did. But with Cindric, um, you had a guy who really had never really even been that great on an oval, and then he wins early in the season, and he mentioned that that was a turning point where he realized we've got a shot at this thing. I do think one of the interesting side notes is he and a 98 were the only two Fords in the field. Well, there was probably some back markers, but... They were the only two Fords in the field. And what was interesting is a lot of the times, and you saw it actually on Sunday, where one of the others would push each other to the front because the idea being, if I can't win, at least a Ford will. Um, so I think that's a difficult thing to race as as well. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think he was very deserving. He certainly had the best car all day uh, in terms of, uh, you know, overall speed. I mean, one could argue the seven maybe a little bit as well. But... Uh, I, I think it was not as big a surprise as maybe the the two truck coming to beat to beat uh, uh, Moffat uh, on on Friday. Now Cedric he pre- he he pitted right there at the end, and uh, you know when he I believe that was him, and I thought well he just they may have just given away the title, but uh, he came back on the track in good position, and those tires really did make the difference, and he just drove right up through there. And, and Allgaier seems like a good guy. I, I liked his interview after the race. He. He could have uh, he could have gone a couple different directions with that, but he was very gracious uh, to the winner Cendric, and I, I I was impressed with the way he handled that. I can't imagine what that would be to become that close, man, all season, and you're the number two guy. And uh, yeah, I liked uh, Allgaier's uh, response, how he, how he handled himself there in the interview. I know that means nothing on the track, but uh, means uh, something uh, to me. And uh, he handled himself well, just like um, I thought uh, some of the other guys did when interviewed. But anyway. I was just going to make one more quick point. The reason Algar didn't come get tires at the end, he didn't have them. He was out. He man. was out. Not so for you. Come back one year. That's right. So no, that's a good point. There was, there's no need to put 20 lap old tires on. Yeah, they were probably cooler than what he had on the car. Um, but it, it really wouldn't have probably helped him all that much. And I think it was, it always, I love having Steve Latart because when he came down with 35, he had to do something different, right? When they came down with 30 or 35 to go and put that set on, Steve said, he better hope there's no more cautions. He better hope there's not a late range caution. Mm-hmm. Now, to your point, Travis, he didn't come marching up through the field anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gamble didn't pay off either way you look at it. But, um, yeah, he didn't have another set. And, and that's what makes the strategy better, I think, sometimes in the, the lower series is on Sunday they had nine sets of tires. And with that green flag look that that thing had to it, they went into the last stage with four sets. Yep. So no one was going to be out of tires like you saw in the first two series. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Robert Duvall was not in the pits with a special match set uh, like he was for Cole Trickle in Days of Thunder. And that's what they needed. That's what Algar needed was a special match set. They didn't have that, but maybe they'll work on that for next year great movie by the way we can get in that to another time good good topic for another time all right the cup race eh, you know it was okay hey we're very excited that chase i know we are supposed to be unbiased media types and you know because the media is so unbiased these days but listen we are excited that chase won i did i'll be honest with you i did not with what was it? We're heading into. He was in danger of not making the the top eight. Uh, he was in he was in that nine spot looking out. He was in the five spot looking out. He had to win in Martinsville to get into the four. And man, he just got it done. It was amazing. I really enjoyed uh, watching that performance. Uh, we had the soundbite at the beginning of the broadcast this evening, and uh, just really impressed with that young man. Um, so we had Elliot Hamlin, Logano, Keselowski. I picked Hamlin. That was my guy. I thought he would be very motivated to win, especially I think he's going to have a few more things on his plate next year, uh, starting the team with Michael Jordan, uh, with Bubba Wallace as the driver. I think he's going to you know, be focused on some other things, but who knows? M- maybe not. I thought this was a... But things don't always go your way, especially in a run, one 
race format when it comes down to it. But uh, yeah, man, I think Elliott deserved it. He certainly worked his tail off at Martinsville to get himself in the final four, and he drove that joker, that number nine. And I love the paint scheme that all the Kendricks cars had um, on Sunday to honor uh, the legend, Mr. Seven-Time Jimmy Johnson, all those yellow numbers. So the yellow number nine, he drove that baby to the front, and uh, I'm glad he did. For several reasons, I went to Hooters last night and enjoyed uh, getting 10 wings with the purchase of 10 wings. So thank you, Chase, for that. I filled up my belly because you won the race on Sunday. But all kidding aside, no, that was seriously good wings. Uh, Andrew, what do you feel? What was your takeaway from this race? What are your, your reaction, your impacts, your thoughts? Yeah, so just in full disclosure, right, I, I'm a you know Chase Elliott guy. I've got the shirts and the whatever. And <clears throat> two weeks ago, I had no concept of the fact that he had even a shot at the title. I mean, he's going into Martinsville 26 points back. You figure he can claw some of those back with the stages, which he did. But <clears throat> in the Xfinity race, you know, uh, the, the Gregson, the nine, he did the same thing and just couldn't get enough points. So he goes out there and he, he wins the race. And I think, I think what I saw out of him a little differently this weekend, there was a pass that he made on, I believe it was the 22 for the lead uh, in the second stage. And uh, he wasn't clear. And he just said, well, Joey, you can either back out of it or you can put us both in the fence. And uh, I think he realized the 22 would back out. In other words, his aggression stepped up a level. I think if you look back at the end of last year, early this year, he was on the the short end of a lot of sticks. Mm-hmm. Now he did mm-hmm. he did to be fair put the twenty two in the fence by being overly aggressive at, at Bristol, but other than that, he just seemed to be a victim of circumstance. And I think I think if you go back and really look at that, I think he was not being as aggressive as maybe he could have, and I think that may have cost him some wins. and And this time, I think he decided he just wasn't going to put up with that. Um, I was not surprised that the two was strong. I think we all knew that based on his performance at Richmond. Uh, I was a little surprised that the 22 kind of faded at the end. And I was really shocked that the 11 was just not a factor all day. Uh, they worked on that car and he just, he was he was never up there fighting with the other three. And I, that's what really shocked me. Travis, what are your thoughts? Well, the championship four were the correct championship four. Sure, you could argue that Kevin Harvick should have been in there because of his nine wins. But if you look at it, the championship four finished one through four. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they were up there all day running that way. They that were. Was, that was really something. And three of the four, uh, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, led 294 of the 312 laps. Mm. Denny Hamlin didn't lead a lap. The only... Uh, time that a championship four driver did not lead were through sequences of green flag pit stops. And so that's interesting. Uh, the, the couple of things I want to touch on, we, you guys have covered Chase very well. Uh, he's, he was deserving. This is the 13th championship in the Cup Series for Hendrick Motorsports. That's an impressive number that I'm not sure uh, will ever be beaten. Uh, and the other things that I wanted to touch on I'm curious to know how different a race it would have been had Brad Keselowski's pit crew had a good day. He lost numerous spots on pit road, and it proves that NASCAR is a humbling sport. Look at the day before. The mm-hmm. Brad Keselowski's crew was the same pit crew that won Austin Sendrick the championship in the Xfinity Series. But on Sunday, they had a rough, rough day. And because Brad had the second fastest car. And so I think had, had they gotten some decent pit stops and not lost near as many spots on pit road, I think maybe it would have been a closer finish hmm. than it ended up being. And then I'll end with this and we can, and you guys can discuss these points. Is this Denny Hamlin's last chance at a title? We've, we've, we've discussed everything that he's got going on this year. He seems to choke in the most pivotal situations. And many have compared him uh, to, the, to the previous era's Mark Martin, the best driver without a title. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brad Keselowski's pit crew, Denny Hamlin, 
and the championship four finishing one through four. Michael, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think, you know, the the one through four, the clear top four for sure. I was just really impressed how they drove, how those guys drove around uh, near the top all day long. Um, and as far as the pit crew, you know, it, it's just, you, the NASCAR giveth and taketh away. On one day you're the champion, the next the next day you are uh, the odd man or odd, odd men looking out you just have a bad day sometimes but you know Keselowski he would still he would overcome he would still drive it back up to the front I think you know I think Chase just had the best car I, I do feel even if there was a restart because I was looking at the times um, and about the closest uh, that second or third place would get would be about a half a second then he'd extend it out so he's just I think he was driving just enough to stay ahead I think even on a restart you know, he would have had a good one. That was something that was a bit of a boogaboo for him uh, a couple years ago. He would have the lead on a green-white checkered or something. I can't think of exactly. It was more than one example of this, and he would spin his tires. Or just and, you know, But he seems to have gotten so much better at that. So I felt confident. Listen, I'm glad there wasn't a green-white checkered. I'm glad there wasn't a caution because um, you know, anything can happen. I mean, people get crazy and then and, and take risks and take chances. Um, like, you know, Harvick did the week before uh, on the final turn with Bush, and we just didn't want to see that. We didn't want to see that, that race in that way. So I think that I, I don't know if his crew cost him the title. I think Chase wins either way. I think they were just that good on Sunday. Uh, as far as Hamlin's shot at a title, I don't know. You know, it's I think it comes down to how much focus he's going to have on the track next year with the new team starting. There's going to be a ton of attention. I mean, I can't imagine the media uh, exposure, the focus on what that's going to look like. You've got Michael Jordan coming into the sport uh, with his with his legend, his name, what he's going to bring. You've got Bubba Wallace, all the attention that that got earlier in the year, and you know, but that may be good for Hamlin. Maybe those two guys taken. Uh, he's just kind of, kind of like, kind of like Jeff Gordon was an owner of Jimmy Johnson's team. It didn't, did it really affect Jeff Gordon's performance when Jimmy Johnson was so successful? I think that was just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, better things being shuffled towards the 48 instead of the 24 at that time. Um, I think Hamlin is still a quality driver. He had a lot of wins this year. I think um, it's just going to come down to situations. I don't, uh, I don't think it's his last best shot. I really don't. He is getting older. I think if he wants it, he will go out and get it. And uh, you just you do have to have things go your way. It's not as far as him choking. I, I don't know if it's him choking or it's just you know they couldn't get the setup right. Maybe Phoenix is just not a good track for them. It was just not their day. I, I don't know. It's, just, it's so hard to tell. He's been so close, um, and I, I don't know if he'll get it. But uh, I don't think it means you know. Um, I don't think it tarnishes his legacy as a driver if he doesn't uh, get it. So I think, you know, I think, of course, he would love to have it. But for me, him getting it doesn't make a difference to me uh, what his what um, his legacy will be. Andrew? I, I was hoping there wasn't a green-white checker because I think Penske would have had a championship car. Um, I think it could have been either one. I think if you looked at the way Brad raced Chase at the end of stage two for nothing, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no points. There's nothing. You don't get. Yeah. I mean, that was fun to watch. And he beat him coming off of turn four. I, I think. I think in the clutch, as much as I'm an Elliott fan of those four guys, if you got to put one guy behind the wheel to win me a title with two to go, I'm picking the two car. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that guy can just get it done. He's clutch. Uh, and you're right. Chase had had some struggles uh, even earlier this year, where you know he's leading with two to go, and you know he's the anti Harvick. You know Harvick picks up eight positions on the last restart, <laughs> and Chase goes backwards eight positions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's not fully fair to him. In terms of Hamlin, I think Kevin Harvick said it after Martinsville. You're not going to win. You're not going to win titles the way you used to win them. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, I think a three-time champion is now going to be what a seven-time champion used to be potentially, maybe sure. a four-time, sure. just because of the nature of it. You just say one bad race, and so Hamlin's going to be turning 40 next season. He's going to have a different venture. It's very likely. I, I'm of the opinion that after his contract is up with Gibbs, he takes a second car and becomes Wallace's teammate for a couple of years. Uh, and, you know, they're probably not going to be nearly as competitive. I mean, look at the 95 car. It's Gibbs Alliance, but it, it's not running up there with those those five. Now, granted, Christopher Bell's a rookie. But um, it, it just, um, 
I think he's missed his shot, unfortunately. I think he's the next, I think he's a Mark Martin. You know, they talked about it with Chase. Alan Gustafson, they almost did it, and they just didn't pull it off. And I'm afraid that he's going to be fortunate to make the Final Four again, much less have a shot to really go win mm. the title. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys, too, is is after the race and all the celebration, people immediately started saying, you know, wow, this is the Elliott name, and what does that mean for legacy, and he's going to win multiple titles and all this kind of stuff. First of all, I think there's some pressure removed because if you look at the last two sons of major superstars, Mm -hmm. neither Mm -hmm. of them won a title. Right. And Kyle Petty and and Dale Earnhardt. Um, You could argue Dale Jarrett did, but I, you know, Ned was never in the modern era, uh, so so I don't know that that's quite the equivalent. Um, Same with Lee and Richard Richard Petty. Exactly, Richard. You know, Lee was so far ahead. But the thing, the thing that I think about, and I want to ask you guys, what is his legacy? I mean. Where do you see him going? It's kind of ironic. The two other guys I always pulled for, Waltrip and Stewart, ended up with three each. And, uh, you know, I can see him winning multiples, but they made the point on the broadcast that the only person with multiple titles in the Cup Series is Kyle Busch. And how many does he have? Two. Two. And right. so, I mean, I'm thinking three or four is going to be the new the new seven. What do you think, Travis? Well, the one thing that I look at, Chase is only 24. And so... He's got a lot of time on his side. I I don't I think Hendrick Motorsports is on the up and up. We talked about that last week. I think that you know, will he win seven? No, I don't think so. I don't know that you'll ever see another seven-time champion. Uh, but I agree. I, you know, I think three or four titles is not out of the question. Um, you know, and if he gets on a roll, who knows? But. This playoff format, we talked about this last week, this Mm -hmm. playoff format is so hard to predict. And it's so hard to get on a roll winning titles because of the one race final. And so, you know, if if the final race is at a track where you struggle, you know, it's, it's, you're probably not going to win the title. Well, and and just to add to that, sorry, Michael, if you look at Mark Martin, just to be fair, to Denny Hamlin, all those titles he finished second were either a season-long championship or the 10-race chase. In other words, a mini-season. So consistency is rewarded. Um, you look and say, oh, most drivers, most wins without a championship. I think you're going to see a lot more guys with 30 and 40 wins without a championship because, again, winning 8 to 10 races in a season guarantees you bupkis going into the Final Four. Um, so I think in the past, you'd have people, you know, how can you win nine or 10 races in a season? Like Bill Elliott's 85. I mean, he was either checkers or wreckers to not win the title. He won 11 races. So how do you, how do you do that? Um, I I think you're going to see a lot more guys with 30 plus wins that don't have titles, uh, just because of the nature of this format. Um, do I think you're going to have guys with 10 wins or less win titles? Maybe they're first, obviously, because they might be young. But I, I don't see – I see. I, I think you're going to have uh, that stat of most wins without a title. It's not going to be as meaningful as it used to be because of the way the format's changed. Michael? Yeah, so I, I agree. I think if you get, I think, I think if you get to three, uh, that's legendary uh, moving forward if it stays the way it is. Four is – four or five, you might as well call that, you know – seven, eight, or nine, uh, the way it used to be. So I'd be super impressed if somebody gets three. There's just so many things that have to go right uh, in that uh, in the playoffs, especially in the last race. I just, I wish, I'd like to see them tweak that last race just a bit. Um, I, I, there's some pros. I'd love to see, and I think it's just a, you could do something just by throwing in the stage points right there. You know, so you don't have, and not that that was the case, these guys race and they were up there all the way. You don't have a guy that's just hanging around the back all day and then driving to the front. The, if the if the if the uh, stage points mattered, you'd ha- those that would be a competitive race all day, and you'd ha- and that might make a difference at the end. It might make hey, this guy has to you know he has to win. The other guy's in third. He he can't finish second. He's got to win the race. And man, wouldn't that make an interesting finish if you had to you know had to finish a couple positions ahead, like kind of like it used to be. Um, but I, I think just a little bit of tweaking, and they may they may look at that uh, over there. And, and then you're because you don't have the thing again. Not taking anything away from Creed, I thought that was a hell of a drive there at the end. 
Creed can't come up at the end and do what he did right there because, uh, and I don't know how the stage points would have would have shaken out, but maybe Creed would have had to do a little bit more than drive at the uh, being the P1 for the last lap. Um, so, Andrew? Yeah, I don't mind the stage idea. It makes the math a little more complicated. I know, Travis, that's why you don't like it, right? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's just get let's just get to it now. So we we've kind of put a bow on. You know, one thing I did, and we kind of meant to mention that Chase and Bill, uh, the third father son combo to win titles. We we alluded to that. I like the moment, a couple moments at the end of that race, uh, particularly, um, and, and it's almost just storybook. Uh, J- Johnson, I loved how he did the. Uh, I, I believe it was him. He did the reverse uh, oh, lap, uh, like Kawicki yes. did used to do. And which allowed he and Chase to kind of high five, handshake there on the, on the uh, on the on the asphalt, passing the torch. If you, I thought that was just a super cool moment. And I loved uh, when they were all out of the cars. You had Mr. Uh, Mr. Hendrick, uh, you had Jimmy, and you had Chase there, right then. Good words. And then and Bill and, and Chase's mom. And I forgive me. I I, I, I don't Cindy. Um, just a wonderful. And and you could tell that Bill was so happy uh, for his son. And what a what a special moment. Uh, just so many things um, made that. And, and you could just tell um, that Chase, it really meant a lot to him to win that. Um, I don't know if he was in tears in the car there then, but when he flipped that visor up, it looked like he, he was red-faced and maybe he was just hot. But you could just tell with the audio, uh, his reaction. He was, he was genuinely, it was, it was like a kid on Christmas morning. Uh, he had just won the biggest prize in the world, something he thought, you know, his his long, his short life to get. And, and, and I really enjoyed it. Not that it would have been any less uh, rewarding for anybody else to win, but it just it just seemed to, to be a nice ending. So wrapping that up and going, uh, we talked about a little bit uh, for the, uh, the championship format, uh, the truck and Xfinity, uh, finishing uh, does it necessitate a change uh, of any of the playoff formats or anything in the championship race? And if so, what are they? Uh, Travis, let's let's start with you. Well, Andrew kind of touched, and you kind of touched on it as well, Michael, about how you'd like to see maybe stage points be awarded for uh, the final four. I don't like that idea, and here's the simple reason why: when it comes to a championship race, you've got people watching the sport of NASCAR that don't follow it all year long. They watch the Daytona 500 and they'll watch the final race of the season. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. You got people that don't watch the NFL all year long, but they watch the Super Bowl, whether Mm -hmm. it's for the commercials or whatever it's for. And so the reason that I say we don't need to award stage points is because that clouds the situation. I think the easiest thing to do is to just leave it the way it is and say, look, how the champion will be determined is of these four drivers, whoever finishes highest wins it. And there's not a lot of math. Actually, there's no math. There's not a lot of explaining that has to go on. It's simple and it's easy to understand. Would you add another race or two? Would you make it a 12 race championship and have four sets of three? I I would not. Um, I I like the whole one race to end it. Because here's the thing. NASCAR is not... This sport is like no other, you know. Um, And so I, I like the one race. I think it's... Because if you go more than one race, then you're getting into averaging best finish and you're awarding points and I think it just hmm. clouds the situation again. I mean I yeah, I, I like it and I don't like it. I mean I if the cautionary came out and Elliot had lost just like you watched, you know, the Moffat lose it, maybe I'd have a different opinion. But um I like the game seven atmosphere of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh you, you know, uh it's like in, in baseball, uh they do those one game playoffs. I'm not a huge fan of those in the sense that you just fought 162 games, and now you're playing a one-game playoff. But uh, in, in NASCAR, I think that that game seven atmosphere is pretty cool. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty neat. And, and I will say, one of our bigger fans this week asked me why it was called playoffs and not drive-offs. 
because uh, you don't actually play racing, you mm-hmm. drive it. So uh, right. I don't know if we want to discuss that at a future podcast, but Michael, what are your thoughts? Maybe. Well, going to your baseball analogy, let's say you're in the game seven of the World Series, and um, with this same, four, let's say you made that game seven like this final race of the season. So in the sixth inning, uh, let's say you've got a team that's up six to four, okay? Well, that's worth something because that six doesn't go away and neither does that four. Uh, and then they keep adding on to that. But you put you make it like the championship race. That six to four doesn't matter because it's only if you score in the ninth inning you win the you win the game. You yeah. Know? So would so, you would you eliminate stages? Uh, maybe that's what you do. Maybe that's what you do in that race. I'm not sure because it makes why even have the stages and fight for you know these these finished in the top ten of the stage. Well, who cares on the last race? It doesn't it doesn't really well matter. And Travis, yeah. jump in, but I think the reason they keep the stages is you did it 35 other times. And number two, the broadcasts love the extra commercial built-in commercial breaks. Well, I, that was my point. And I made this point to you Sunday afternoon when we were watching the race. We were sitting there. We got to watch the final 45 laps commercial-free. Mm-hmm. Had there not been stages, they would have taken a commercial break with 20 or 25 to go. And so, you know, leave the stages out. I think that if for no other reason I like them, then it gives drivers incentive in 35 of the 36 races. But the biggest reason I like it is it allows the television partners and radio partners to take four scheduled commercial breaks. So gun to your head, championship need a change, Travis? Absolutely not. Michael? Uh, yeah, I think I think some changes uh, would be needed. I, not that it... Uh... Change. I think based on what we saw in the truck race and, and maybe the Xfinity race, I don't know. I mean, it, it need a bigger sample, but I think some some minor changes, not anything major. And I think your last comment is where I'm going to go. Is we've only done this for a few years. I think I think let it run for another few years. And mm-hmm. if we keep seeing champions that are the fourth place guy every time on Sunday, then the fans will demand a change and it'll correct itself. I mean, right. the reason we went to playoffs is because the last four races of the season were boring because you'd already locked up the title or you figured who was going to lock up the title. So uh, that's good. All right. So let's talk about location. Uh, it's been in Homestead, the final race in Homestead for many, many years. Andrew, uh, you and I have been to that race in person twice. Travis, you have been there uh, with us one of those times. We have not been to Phoenix. Um, now, I can say, you know, if I... The, the racing looked good. I enjoyed watching the race in Phoenix. The Homestead race can get a little uh, strung out like on all of your big trucks. They kind of get, if you don't have things to bunch them back up and bring it back together, it gets a little, all right, let, let's go. Let's get to the final 100 laps so we can see some guys really driving for it. Um, yeah, I thought the Phoenix, I loved uh, how they could kind of drive uh, a bit more um, side by side, use a little bit more of the track. Um, Love the weather in Homestead, a beautiful location, but it's sunny in Phoenix too, sunny and warm. So um, I tell you, I don't know, I, t- to really answer this question, I have to go to a race in Phoenix and, uh, and maybe, maybe, if, uh, maybe we do that in the next year or two and then we can really answer this question fairly. Uh, but what, what do you think, Andrew? Well, just not to be, you know, counting the zeros and ones, but you and I have been three times and the three of us have been twice. Have we? Yep. Have we really? 16, well, 16, 18, and 19, and Travis did what with us 18 and 19. Well, I, you know, I, I am sorry Tom, for that. So you can tell he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. I'm old. I'm old, and you know, you, you, you whippersnappers. I just, listen, I was testing you. I was really testing Travis, and I knew he was going to bring it up later. But thank you for correcting me. I am sorry. Sort to have ruined this for both of you. Forgive me. Well, I do think that, you know, though, I will say I was not looking forward to this race Sunday uh, based on what we saw in the spring. Uh, I did not expect as good a racing as we saw in all three series. Um, And Travis, you may know this. I don't recall if they had put the PJ1 down in the spring. Uh, But the race, the, the spring race sucked, to be blunt. In my opinion, that sucked. And uh, I think this yeah, this weekend we focus. saw a lot of stuff. I mean, Chase comes from the back. There's passing. Now let's not you know let's not overlook the obvious that nobody in the right mind wants to dent the fender of the most popular driver as he's coming through the field. I'm not saying they laid over, but they certainly didn't Ryan Newman him to death. Um, but I, I think 
<laughs> I think that the Homestead was a good venue. I think the location for Homestead is a lot cooler, a lot neater. Uh, I've been to Phoenix before and it's fine. Um, South Florida, there's nothing like it. But the racing, I think this year at least, was better at Phoenix. Travis, what mm -hmm. are your thoughts? Well, a couple things. One, it was weird because this is the first time in two years that we haven't been at the championship race. So it was weird to watch it on TV. It was. Uh, secondly, let's just say that I'm glad that it was in Phoenix this year. Uh, they got a foot of rain on Sunday in Homestead, so there would not have been a championship race. Um, but, you know, I think the race needs to, to move around. Uh, if not every year, every other year, you know, Phoenix is a viable destination, Homestead, the new Auto Club Speedway, when they convert that to a short track as a destination. I know the three of us would go to Martinsville. We've been in the snow before, so cold weather's not going to deter us from going to Martinsville for a championship race. Um, you know, I, I, Daytona, they wouldn't run it at Daytona because of the, the, uh, crapshoot that that race would provide mm -hmm. but you know I, I think there are a lot of venues that the championship race could be run at you wouldn't go to New Hampshire or Chicago land in November um, but there, there are plenty of tracks that you could run at um, so I think it needs to be uh, swapped around at least every other year um, yeah and I, if you can run Bristol in early March you can sure as hell run it in early November yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got Richmond, you, you mentioned Martinsville, you've got Texas on the table, you've got Coda. I'm not sure they'd want to just run a road course for the finale because you might as well just go ahead and give it to Elliott. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, like you mentioned, California and Arizona. Uh, I, I think I think there's a number of tracks, like you said, you wouldn't do Talladega or Daytona. I kind of like the idea of rotating it. Um, as we have talked about, you know, the three of us that, man, if you if you're not good at Phoenix... Just like if you weren't good at Homestead, well, good luck to you because, mm -hmm. you, you know, I mean, Chase Elliott, for example, is, Richmond's his most horrible track and he never runs very well there, and, which is why I didn't personally have a whole, a whole lot of high hopes for him at Phoenix. But, I mean, if it was at Richmond, like some guy, you know, Kevin Harvick would have loved that. Denny Hamlin would have loved that. A lot of other guys wouldn't have. And mm -hmm. uh, I assume that's true of just about any track. But that's the only thing I don't like about this winner take all is if, is if you make it and it's a track that you and your team just you know you know certain tracks that don't fit guys driving styles mm -hmm. and right. uh, you know so yeah. what do you what are your thoughts Michael rotate it that's a good point yeah I'm moving around or you know I do and and I you, you've really planted a seed in my head uh, making it not just one race so I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that a little bit more um, used to run the last race in Atlanta oh, that's yeah. also we uh, you and I actually. Saw Gordon win one of his championships. He didn't have to win the race. It was you know different format back then. But uh, Atlanta, you know, it's not it's not flashy. It's not sexy like we are. But uh, you know, it's Atlanta and it's a proven track. And uh, I think you know it'd be a good test. I think everybody would have a good shot there. But yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, if you don't run, I, I I don't think I think Martinsville wouldn't be for everybody. I don't know if Martinsville would be you know, uh, a big enough stage for that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I love Martinsville. I love going there and watching a race there. You know, I think Bristol would be fun. I think with that, with that setup, with that, uh, last Coliseum and all the things they do to promote up there, I think that could be fun. It's getting a little colder. It'd be cool. You got to get some weather concerns. Um, you know, I, yeah, moving around, maybe Phoenix again next year. I, I think it was successful. I think it made for uh, good TV. Um, the lighting, it looked like they've just, those, I don't know if those were mountains or two big piles of dirt they dug out to make the track. I, was, I found myself wondering that. I also love the green uh, cactus at the start finish line. I thought that was cool. It reminded me of that cowboy in Las Vegas. Uh, every time it went around, I was like, okay, oh, well, there it is again. There's a the green cactus again. So, yeah, I, I, I like the variety. Um, I loved an excuse to go to South Florida. I mean, who doesn't, not that we needed one, uh, the first time we just went to the race and came back home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some, of, I, I don't think a super speedway would be the answer. I don't think they need to do it, do it at Talladega. Talladega. I don't think they need to do it at Daytona because it just, it, there's so many things that could happen that are out of the driver's control and nobody, I don't think anybody wants that. I don't think the drivers want that. It wouldn't be good for the fans. I don't think anybody would push for that. And, and just to jump in here, not, if they went to a three-race finale, mm -hmm. road course, mile and a half, short track. 
Sure. Yeah. I, I like that idea. Yeah. Just an idea. Yeah. I think we're yeah. running long on time here. Yeah, we are. Let's, so let's finish up with seven time. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, his, uh, you know, what does, where does he fit? Where does he fit on the Mount Rushmore of stock car racing? Does he even make it to the Mount Rushmore of stock car racing? And I mean, let's just call it, let's say a final four. And if not, who is the final four? I think that'll be a good way to, I, you know, Jimmy Johnson, good, you know, I, it's kind of like the Jeff Ward effect. Uh, everybody wants to pile on and, and, and take things away from a guy that's winning a lot. You saw that a lot, but towards the end, I think you had to have a lot of respect for Johnson. What he did, uh, as long as he did it, he seems like a good guy. He's still going to do some racing. Um, I, I there was one time I ran into him down at a Charlotte Knights baseball game, and it was he was there uh, with his two girls and another family, and um, he could have totally been you know a jerk, but he wasn't. Most of the NASCAR guys are not. I walked up to him, and had a baseball. Actually, my son went up, and had a baseball. Asked him to say he put his he put his nachos down. He didn't have to do that. He could have said you know right not right now. N didn't miss a beat. Set his nachos down. Signed the baseball. Jimmy Johnson, 48, really gracious, really nice guy. So, um, I, I, you know, Jimmy, um, yeah, I think he, I think he goes up there, or he's, 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 he's darn close. Uh, Andrew, yeah, I think Petty is your first. They're the one that legitimized the sport. They brought in the first big sponsor. I mean, not him personally, but that era, getting Winston to come in the early 70s. You had Earnhardt who made it, you know interesting and, and popular. You had Gordon who took it to the mainstream and then you had Johnson who I think is modern excellence. I mean, I think those are your mm. four. Um, the thing about Jimmy Johnson that struck me, I, Steve Letarte said on Sunday, you know, he's the exact same person that walked into our shop 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, sure. that's not an indictment on guys who change over time, but mm -hmm. he seems like he's just a regular guy. And, and you know, being a Tony Stewart fan for so long, he hated Jimmy Johnson early in their career. Uh, and, and they didn't get along. And that wasn't because of Jimmy Johnson. That was because Smoke had a little growing up to do. And he posted this a couple days ago. He said, one day, if and when I ever grow up, I want to be just like you, Jimmy Johnson. Congrats on an incredible career. And I think, mm. I think that mm. speaks volumes to the man he was behind the scenes. He wasn't flashy. He was an ambassador for the sport, but not because he sought to be one. He was never the guy with the cool quote. He was very corporate. He was very put together. But I think it wasn't because he shied away from the spotlight. I think it was that he genuinely just didn't care that he didn't have it. I think he mm -hmm. let his racing speak for itself. The man has 83 wins. And, and we were talking about this, Travis. I don't know what it is about the number 84. Jeff sat on it forever. And then, you know, Walter mm. and Allison have 84, and, Jim, and Jimmy mm -hmm. didn't get to it. I, I do think that his fifth-place finish, I mean, if, if you take Abs, it. yes. I yeah. mean, that, he won. The, he, he was best of the rest, right? I mean, that was one yeah, of the best races sure. all week. Uh, what do you think his legacy is? What do you think he means to the sport there, Travis? I don't think you can measure what he means to the sport yet. I think that even after after he leaves the sport, he's going to he, he, he's continuing to give back to the sport. You know, he's going to help the guys at Ganassi. He's going to drive IndyCar there. But I can't imagine that he's not going to be available to Kurt Busch and Kyle... Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kurt Busch and, and uh, Ross Chastain. You know, he's going to provide those guys with help. Because, let's face it, the cars at Hendrick are different than the cars at Ganassi. And so, if there's something that that the Ganassi guys are struggling with, Jimmy can say, well, this is what we do at Hendrick, you know. Um, the other thing that I'll say, just to talk about his class for a moment, you've never heard anything negative about Jimmy Johnson. If you remember back in 2004 when they had the Hendrick plane crash, Jimmy Johnson won that race at Martinsville, but he didn't celebrate. Because he was told over the radio, hey, we've got something going on here. And his thoughts went to that immediately, you know. And then on Sunday, they told him, you know, burn it down. And his response mm -hmm, was, mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to burn it down. Burnouts are for champions. I'm not sharing the stage. You know, that that's amazing to me. Yeah. You know, Um 
just an incredible person. About the only thing you've ever heard about Jimmy Johnson is a couple of years ago when he fell off of a golf cart. Um, and that he wins too much. And, yeah, and that he wins too much. You never heard, oh, he caused this trouble or that trouble. No, he was always a positive for the sport. And he will do that same thing in IndyCar. IndyCar will be better because of Jimmy Johnson, just like NASCAR is better than it was when Jimmy Johnson first came in. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Let me, let me maybe drop this as our last question. It never been done before he did it, and I don't know if it'll ever be done again. Is five in a row Gehrig's streak? Is it going to sit there and then there's going to be a Cal Ripken that breaks it? Or is it going to be DiMaggio's 56 that no one ever touches? What do you think, Travis? If, if it stays in the current format, I don't think anybody touches it. I think I, I, don't, I don't think so either, but it's going to take one of those. You know, he had the same sponsor for so long. The funding was there. And the sponsorships these days are so fickle. They're so ever-changing. You know, I, I think, and sometimes it's year to year. Sometimes you get two to three years of most, most. I mean, Lowe's was his sponsor for so long. They had a steady, steady stream of resources. I think, it, I think it's going to take that to, to have that level of consistency. And I just don't think... Uh, in this day and age, we're going to see that. I think five is going to be the bar. I think it's going to be the ceiling. It's going to be the the uh, the mountain that never that that's just climbed one time, and at least in our lifetime. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a Gehrig uh, streak for sure. I mean, the last time somebody won three three in a row was thirty years before he did five, yep. mm -hmm. and it was the only time it was ever done. Patty never won three in a row. Now he won four out of five years, but he never won three in a row. Earnhardt never won three in a row. And so to do it five under the old system was almost, a, I, I think it was potentially breakable. But under the new system, I agree with you, Travis. I don't think there's a shot anybody's ever going to win five or six in a row now. No, and let me just say this as we get ready to close. There are people out there who wonder about the future of NASCAR. Is the sport in good hands? A couple of things. I want to give Steve Phelps, Steve O'Donnell, Scott Miller... Everybody on the executive team at NASCAR, a big pat on the back for getting this season in. They promised when they shut down that they were going to do everything possible to get this entire season in. And they did it. All the truck races, all the Xfinity races, all the cup races. Sure, they weren't able to go to some markets that were on the original schedule, but the teams got their sponsorship money. They were able to work and get the paychecks that they were supposed to get. Just a big kudo for NASCAR. And not to mention, they were the first sport back and they were the first sport back with fans. And I think that's huge. The second thing I'll say, people wonder if NASCAR is in good hands. Well, the answer is yes. And the reason I say that, Chase Elliott at 24 years old was the oldest of the champions crown this weekend. Austin Sendrick hmm. was 22. Sheldon Creed was 23. And the last time that NASCAR had a most popular driver win a championship was Dale Earnhardt in 1995. This was the best possibility for NASCAR. Sure, NASCAR doesn't root for particular drivers, but this story has resonated throughout the fan base. And I think Chase Elliott's championship will carry NASCAR through the offseason and into the 2021 season. And real quick, one thing you mentioned, Travis, I think about the scheduling. I think NASCAR learned a lot because of COVID. I think the, the addition of a couple road courses, because it spreads the fans out, I think dropping some tracks that, you know, under Brian France, it was about markets. And I think under the new leadership, it's about racing. And I like that direction that the sport's going. And I completely agree. And one of our future podcast topics is we're going to examine each of the, I'll call them changes that NASCAR was forced to try this year. And we're going to see, we're going to give our opinions on, okay, what worked, what didn't, what did we like, what did we not like, and what do we hope to see in the future? We already know some of what we're going to see in 2021, but what, you know, we're going to examine the things that NASCAR was forced to try this year. Yeah. So, and on that note, uh, as you alluded to, Travis, the 
The future of NASCAR is as bright as that setting sun in Phoenix was over the weekend uh, and, and those races. And I am excited, truly excited to see what 2021 and hopefully we'll get to go to a few races. We are slated to attend Martinsville. Uh, that's a year in the, in the making. We also uh, plan on going to the Bristol Dirt Race and we'll throw in some other ones. Oh, and let's not forget about Darlington. Uh, we were going to go this year, but COVID uh, prevented us from doing that. So we've got a, a slate, a, a semi-full slate of races that we're going to attend. That's going to be excited. We hope to do some some on-site broadcasting uh, of our podcast here. And again, you've been listening to Blind Spotting right here from the Cottle Creek Compound on Highway Three, running between Kannapolis and Mooresville, Race City, USA. For Andrew Coates, Travis Sherrill, I'm Michael Culberth. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and we will see you next time on Blind Spotting.